Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Doby, and today I welcome Sonia Mathura to the show. Sonia is the founder of Strategic Reliability Solutions based in Trinidad. She is a huge champion in the maintenance and reliability space, and she is bringing maintenance and reliability professionals and different organizations that she works with to the next level. She's a huge supporter of Maintenance Disrupted, and our reach wouldn't be nearly what it is without her support. So thank you, Sonia. But before we get into today's episode with Sonia, we just have a quick message from our sponsor. Hello, listeners. I am really excited to introduce you to one of our sponsors, Electra Learning, and we've got Neil Summers here to tell us a little bit about it. So, Neil, tell me, what is Electra Learning? Hey, Stephen. Well, Electra partners with organizations to encourage supported change and business improvement through learning development. In short, we ensure that you get the best out of your team through sustainable training practices. We have extensive experience with major oil and gas, utility, mining, and manufacturing clients. And as a result, come to our clients with a clear understanding of the best way to ensure new systems are used most effectively. In particular, we specialize in IBM asset management software Maximo and also in Microsoft 365. That's great, Neil. Now I can hear from your accent, you're not from my locale. Why don't you tell me a little bit about where you come from and uh, what got you here today? Well, Electra has been in the UK for 24 years, so we're a well-established business there. I came to Canada in 2013 to set up our first North American office. My background in project management set me up really well to be able to identify a gap in the market, providing something that wasn't being done before. That's fantastic, Neil. Why don't you tell me a little about what has made you and Electra so successful and allowed you to expand so broadly? Well, training is people-based. The ability to make that connection between people and the software tool has been the key to our success. Our practical toolkit with comprehensive materials and templates and a variety of learning options, such as live classroom training, web-based virtual training, one-to-one coaching, e-learning, as well as other services such as project and change management can all be applied and tailored to meet our client requirements. You can find out more about our service offerings by checking out our website, electrolearning.com. That's great, Neil, and thank you for supporting our podcast. All our listeners out there, make sure you go and check out Electra's website and see what they have to offer. Hello, this is Steve Doby, and I want to tell you about our upcoming Maintenance Mastermind, Mobile Equipment Edition. In this mastermind, we have five experts covering six topics over 12 weeks focused around mobile equipment and the people who maintain these assets. Each topic will have a training video, an interactive workshop, and a group assignment which we'll review in another workshop. Joining our mastermind session, you will learn how to manage your mobile assets better, you will connect with experts in your field, and meet others in the mobile maintenance field that can help support you for many years into your career. This training is for everybody, maintenance managers, engineers, planners, technicians, anybody involved with maintenance on mobile assets would be a great fit for this course. Registration is $1,500 plus tax, and if you are a student or unemployed, please reach out and we'll work together to make sure that you can still attend this course. For more information, go to our website at www.maintenancedisrupted.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Joby, and today I've got Sonia Mathura with us to um, talk about what she has been working on lately. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's very exciting to be here on the maintenance disrupted side of things. Um, I know you all have been doing a fantastic job, like with everything 
on LinkedIn, the memes, I love the memes. The memes just keep coming every every Monday. So I'm very grateful for that. That's a smile that's on my face all the time. Every time I see it come up in my feed. So thank you all for doing that and taking the time to do that. So I'm very excited to be here because I haven't been on the maintenance disrupted one before. No, I think you were on uh, uh, when Rob was the host yeah. just before he kind of before he get transi- transitioned <laughs> um and then no you've been on my list to have you on but i hadn't, oh hadn't done it yet I was so i'll not list then oh my god <laughs> <laughs> not at all you're actually on the top of the list so oh, okay I just, good 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 i can anyway. live with that i can definitely <laughs> <be good> <laughs> excellent um so before we jump into the topics today why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself uh, where you've been uh, mm. what you've worked on where you okay. where your hope hope to be going <laughs> Broad. In case, in case you all haven't noticed, I am from Trinidad and Tobago. You would hear the accent coming in there because what I've been told is that Trinis, that's what we call ourselves, we have a very distinctive accent from the rest of the Caribbean. So I'm from Trinidad and Tobago and I am the owner of Strategic Reliability Solutions Limited. And the main purpose of that company is really to, to bridge the gaps in terms of training and consultancy within the reliability field. And I love reliability because, you know, it helps, it bridges all the gaps, you know, everything kind of comes together in reliability. So I love that aspect of it. And with strategic reliability, what we do is that we have global partners. So we have partners all over the world. We have uh, somebody in Australia that helps us with maintenance, planning and scheduling extremely important. They do all of the training for that. And that's Eric Hoop. He's from R2 Liability. We have the guys in Canada, of course. Um, Jesus uh, Sefonte, he is with Contrast Reliability. He helps us with all our RCMR stuff because RCMR is very important, of course. We have uh, in Virginia, we have Bob Latino. Of course, we love Bob. Bob is amazing. from Reliability Center Incorporated and they help us with all of our root cause analysis training, the software and whatnot. And Bob and I actually work on a project, which I think I'll talk about in a bit. <laughs> um, we have, we're also partnered with Lucas Marino. He's in Virginia as well. And he's with East Partnership. And what I love about Lucas's platform is that it's a platform where entrepreneurs can come in and provide training services, on-demand training services. So it, it kind of helps with all the different entrepreneurs in different aspects of asset management, reliability, and everything, as you know, everything is related. So it's a perfect platform for that. And then we have, um, we have one of our partners in Trinidad. They help with uh, sort of turmoil, Tumal imaging, those sort of things, FLIR. So we have them as well. And they they definitely help us a lot with that. And right now we are promoting our PMP bootcamp with our guys uh, from the US. They are called PMP ProLin and they are all US veterans. So they are all ex-army, ex-navy, ex-Air Force, and they've come together in this, um, in this company to help people bridge gaps of project management. And of course, these guys know what they're talking about when they talk about project management, because they've done a lot of projects, right? <laughs> so we work with them as well. So what we try to do, and of course, I handle anything related to lubrication. <laughs> so I do all of those trainings and whatnot. And we, have, um, we also have Mike Holloway of Fifth Order Industry. He is our go-to guy for ICML and SDLE preparation certifications because like he is the best and you know, totally the best. So I just go to him, he handles all of our training for that. So it's really a, a place where people can get training for different types of reliability related stuff and maintenance. Cause like I keep saying, it's all related and we're all part of one, you know, cycle here so it's just a place where everybody can come to get those sort of training services and uh, what I've been doing well we've been in lockdown for quite some time (laughs) 
So at the beginning of lockdown last year, when um, things first started, I wanted to make sure that I, I wrote a book on some of the things that were just, you know, uh, I wanted to make sure that there was a place for all of these things about duplication degradation mechanisms. Because I realized in the past when I was doing my thesis on it for my master's in engineering asset management, I did my thesis on an ammonia complex with lubrication um, degradation happening in it. Yeah, of course I brought lubrication into it. I had to, <laughs> why not, right? And when I was trying to find information for that, I couldn't find the information readily online. So the only way I could have brought me information was talking to somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And that, the information existed. It's not that it doesn't. It exists, but you can only get that information by true connections, somebody that you know, you know, and they, they're more than happy to help you with it. But what I thought about back then was what about the average person like me who, you know, may not know different people within the field. They may not know who to reach out to. But these uh, mechanisms, they happen no matter what. They happen whether you know people or you don't know people. Once you have equipment and lubrication in it, it's going to happen. So why not make that information available for people and all in one space, like one little small space, one little book, right? So at the beginning of lockdown, I sat down and I'm like, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to make sure I put this in here before, you know, anything happens and make sure that it gets out there so that people can get it and they can use it, you know, whenever, wherever they can use it. So in that book, it's actually called Lubrication Degradation Mechanisms, A Complete Guide. And I had it published with CRC Press. And what we did with that book is that I wanted to make sure that anybody picking up the book could read it. You don't need to be a lubrication expert, right? So in the beginning of the book, we talk about the basics of lubrication, and then we go into identifying the different mechanisms, because that's one of the areas that a lot of people, they forget. They're like, okay, well, I know I have um, degradation happening here, but I don't know which one I have. You know, I just know that something's wrong with the oil, you know, something's bad happening to it. I don't know which one it is. So just identifying those different mechanisms, and then we go into the testing parts, which everybody wants to know, they're like, okay, well, we have thermal degradation happening here. What do I need to test for? And those are the things that a lot of people, they don't talk about as often. So when you look into this space, you look and you see all the different white papers and whatnot, but you have to really search and dig very deep to find out, okay, so what do I test for? How do I apply it? What sort of results am I looking for? You know, yeah. it's, it was something that was missing and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we put everything together in there. <laughs> yeah, it, de it definitely was missing. So I, uh, like, as you know, I used to work for, for Fluid Life as a reliability mm -hmm. consultant. And naturally, we did lots of oh, lubrication related yeah. <laughs> consulting work. Um, and, you know, anytime you start looking into an issue, it's, okay, you know, we've got all our Fluid mm -hmm. Life resources, which are kind of scattered throughout. We had, you know, the uh, ICML or not ICML, Machinery Lubrication website, yes. which is a great website. Mm -hmm. Again, all the information's scattered about. And then, yes. you know, it's, <laughs> there's lots of things on the internet, but there's no one source that is, mm -hmm. has all the information you need. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's what I love about your book is it brings it all together <laughs> and you can actually go through it. And without jumping between 15 different resources to find oh, your answer, yes. you can, you can go there and, and have the information you need and like you know it's it's something that's missing and it's always the first thing too that every whenever you have an equipment failure the mm -hmm. first thing everybody does it says well it's probably the oil yes oh my it, gosh it's yes. usually not the oil but that's the first place everybody goes to is it's the oil and then your reliability engineers or whoever's investigating the failure is sitting there scratching their head like okay well most reliability people don't actually have lubrication training yes. um where's a good resource to go to and they start googling mm -hmm. and usually they just get you know 
Pick random up forms from people's mm-hmm. <laughs> pickup trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, yeah, no, it is amazing to have that resource in that one place. And um, like the MLE certification that you have mm-hmm. is, oh, yeah. is, is a really good one. I've got the MLA too. I think it might be expiring, but um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, And so there's, it's, it's so great to have that all in one place. Um, Now, like when we're looking at lubrication failures, not to go on too far of a tangent, but what, um, obviously it's very equipment dependent on what Mm -hmm. we're seeing as a failure. Is there, um, like when lubrication is the problem, what is what is the first path somebody should start to go down when looking at that failure? Like, okay, you have a broken piece of equipment, you mm-hmm. suspect lubricant, what are your next steps? I think the first thing that you have to do with any, any equipment that has <clears throat> any sort of lubrication in it is make sure you have a good oil analysis program because it starts with being able to trend the different patterns because if you don't have a trend and i'm just giving an example here you've never done oil analysis on the equipment before the equipment breaks down and now you want to do oil analysis we can't catch <laughs> we can't catch it now right it's already happened it's already died so anytime you have um a piece of equipment that has lubricants in it get get it involved in the analysis program and i think i actually talk about this in the book weird enough is that when you're setting up an oil analysis program, you don't have to do oil analysis for every single piece of equipment every single day. Like what I tell people to do all the time is break it up into three different aspects. Your critical, your non-critical, and your semi-critical. It can either fall either, either of those three. Just group them in a very big, you know, very big buckets, right? Your critical equipment, those are the ones that you want to be testing every single month. Those are the ones that you want to be monitoring because guess what? If that goes down, your plan goes down and everything goes haywire. So those are the ones you definitely want to have on a strict oil analysis program. Semi-critical, eh, you can get away with that you know, every two or three months. Your non-critical, at least once a year, at least. Because you know, a lot of things could happen within one hour. Imagine the amount of things that could happen within a year, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And there, um, there's such a drive to, for everybody to get real-time monitoring mm-hmm. in place. And, and I pick on Blair show on occasion because oh. they're always um, <laughs> talking about this new exciting technology. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to think about like, what, what is the basics? Oil analysis mm-hmm. is the easiest thing to start compared to yeah. any other technology. It is the easiest. You yeah. go up, you you get a jar, um, mm-hmm. preferably a, a lab a jar, one. but a clean <laughs> one is a good idea. But even if you don't have that readily available, you can still go and take, fill it with oil, put it on your desk and look at it. And yeah. you've just started oil analysis. Like what mm-hmm. is the color? What is the smell? What is, um, you know, the maybe take two samples. What does your new oil look like versus mm-hmm. your used oil? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite comment that I ever got while uh, I was doing lubricate, doing the consulting work was, yeah, you know, we have problems with our hydraulics. And I was like, well, what color is your hydraulic oil when it comes out? They're like, well, it's black, but hydraulic oil is always black after it's been in service. I was like, no, (laughs) no, it's not always black. It should never be black. (laughs) You're not talking about engineering. (laughs) Yeah. And, (laughs) And like, you know, they had a pretty robust oil analysis program, mm-hmm. but some of these fundamentals that if they had a book or, or mm-hmm. proper training, they would know yeah. hydraulic mm-hmm. oil isn't black. <laughs> no, it's not. And if it is, you should definitely change that oil and figure out why it's <laughs> turning that color. Are you having yeah. contamination or something going on in there? <laughs> well, it was, it was, um, it is also, I never, never got down to the cause, uh, but we, and it went on, a, I was just there for training and we were talking about it, but I was like, okay, this is the road you need to go to. And we talked about mm-hmm. it for, for quite a while. So it was in uh, big wind turbines, particularly mm-hmm. in Canada, where, um, you know, if the wind's not turning, 
or wind's not going, the turbine's mm -hmm. not turning. And so your oil is just sitting there stationary. Oh, okay. And it, when it's cold out, that mm -hmm. oil gets cold. Yeah. And then when it's the wind starts to pick up, it's not going to be able to turn effectively no. because <laughs> the oil's too uh, too cold and too viscous. So they have yeah. a heater in there. Oh. Um, but what this heater did, it wasn't like a, an immersion heater. They needed to heat it up really quickly. So it would take this hydraulic oh, oil okay. and push it through a small orifice. Mm, and I was like, well, what's it. the, you know, when you're, <laughs> when your turbine's at speed, what's the temperature of the oil? And they're like, yeah, about 40 degrees. It's like, okay, that's fine. I was like, well, and then they told me about this orifice. And I'm like, do we know what temperature the or orifice mm -hmm. is at when it's, and they're like, oh, well, you can't touch it at all. Like it's, oh, it's boy. really hot. Yeah. It's like, well, mm -hmm. that's probably oh, yeah. your problem. I can't tell for sure, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways um like it's, <laughs> but a little bit of lubrication training and mm -hmm. and you're there and you're you're at this answer and this failure failures that they were seeing you know there's a potential solution there and yes. pretty quick so um now looking at your book i, I mm -hmm. think the last time you were on the show with rob it was yeah. you were promoting your book oh, yeah. is that that was right when your book just came out yeah oh boy um interesting <laughs> yeah so that i guess that's been nine or ten months now about more more less i think it came out so it officially came out at the end of november and uh, um this entire process was virtual so i was writing the book and you know microsoft word whatever sending it off to the publisher so i've never seen it before and the publisher has told me don't worry, as soon as we publish it, we put it into print, we're going to send it to you and back down into Trinidad. And I'm like, yes, I'm waiting, I'm ready. And I see um, Andy, I think it's Andy Gailey from the UK, he's posting up the book, he's like, Sonny, I got your book. And I'm like, what? I didn't see it yet. <laughs> so the guys in the UK who pre-ordered the book, they actually got it way before me. I got it like two weeks <laughs> after. You know, shipping and handling and all that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so it was very, it was very interesting to see how everything came together and it it formed that book. And I'm like, wow! I was just looking at it on a computer all the time. Now I can physically touch it and you know, actually sit down and read the book, which is amazing. And a lot of the guys in the UK, um, Reynolds Contamination in particular, Wayne Hublal, he has. He ordered a, a bunch of the books. He ordered a, a bulk amount. And he's like, I want everybody to get this book because I want them to know about lubrication because they do lubrication. And he, he recently sent me a picture and he's like, Sanya, guess where I am? I'm on the, um, I can't remember the name of the boat. He said, I'm with the, the Irish Navy, their commander in chief or whatever. I can't remember the exact, um, denotation and he said I just gave him a copy of your book I'm like oh my god this book got to the Irish army and I didn't even get there <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic yeah and I've had I've had like um I've had a lot of labs reach out to me and ask me they were like I want to order the book in bulk because I think all of our staff members they could use this like exactly what you're saying when they're going through analysis and they're like okay well what is it that we're looking for? How do we have this? Because I think um, a lot of people have the information beforehand, but like you said, it's scattered all over the place. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just in one, one place to look at, you know, just check in there, that's it, the end. Let's get all with it. Let's try and save the equipment if possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, when I look at books, books like that, when I, when you're in university, and maybe it's because I've went through the university programs and, and whatnot, but I loved having my textbook and mm -hmm. then you have your slides and everything that you get from the course. And then oh, yeah. your textbook is a lot more detailed than uh, kind of okay. what you have in the course. And it's just, so you, you go and you take a lubrication course, you get the slides and mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot of the stuff in there is, is talked about, but it's not explicitly in all the material. Yes. And if it is, it's probably not the best slideshow. Yeah. Um, and and so when you have this other resource there and that, you know, it, 
it really works well when you take a course and you have the resource mm-hmm. and when you come out of that then you're so much more educated you know okay oh, yeah. i know i don't the, this area i know there's resources out there i didn't mm-hmm. get a lot on that specific topic but um i know where to find it now and i got yeah. that book because i took the course and I, mm-hmm. I did all these things together and that's that's so much of a better way to do training than just i took a training course and this is the key to prove it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and that was one of the things when i when i wrote the book and when i put it together i was like i don't want this to be an on the shelf book like i bought Mm -hmm. it you know it's nice to have i want people to actually use it and a lot of people they they come to me and they're like I'm seeing this in my oil. I'm seeing this, that, the next, you know, what do I do next? How do I approach it? And I'm like, okay, well, we covered all of that in the book. So let's start their face. And then some of them who buy the book, they're like, oh my gosh, why aren't we using this before? Why did we yep. not have this before? You know, just having things in one place and getting everything together at one point. Like it's been amazing for them with that. So they love that aspect and it's written as a handbook, as a, a guidebook, you know, it's not mm-hmm. to be, you know, okay, let me read this and fall asleep. But, and we also have a lot of, and I, I made sure of that, a lot of practical things in there. So like we talk about electrostatic spark discharge and I'm like, okay, sometimes a lot of the operators, they hear the crackling noises. So, you know, don't ignore your equipment listen to what it's saying because it's actually talking you know so Mm -hmm. certain things that we have in the book scattered throughout it's like you can apply this in the field by doing this you know you may not have to go to the lab right away or even if you're sending it off the lab do some research for yourself because you are near to the equipment you are by the equipment you use the equipment every day the guys in the lab don't do that so they don't have that experience they don't have that interface that knowledge yeah. So I think one of the things that a lot of operators forget is that it's their equipment. They know it better than anybody else, you yeah. know? So start there first and put so much notes in your, your notes, their lab, your lab guys, because they don't know, you know, help those notes. And I know those notes help, you know, you, you send off your sample and you're like, okay, well, I noticed this, that next, I would see in a temperature rise. Because the guys in the lab are trying to wrap their head around how this oil could get bad yeah. so quickly. And they don't know. Those they're, notes help a lot. <laughs> they're, they're all chemists. They're experts mm-hmm. at working in a lab. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not engineers. They're not, uh, they're not maintenance and reliability people. Mm-hmm. They, and, and so there is, there is that gap there. Like when you yes. send your sample there, they'll give you some basic recommendations. Uh-huh. But you need to be able to look at that sample and say okay yes we know it's i don't know there's um um it, it's thermally degrading they'll tell mm-hmm. you it's thermally degrading mm-hmm. but it's up to you as the end user to say it's thermally degrading because either i left it in service too long or mm-hmm. w- what that causes they can just tell you what what that oil looks like on that day yeah. they can only tell you what's in the jar and you just need yeah. to <laughs> and, and you need to put your brain to work a little bit yes. and and <laughs> go to the resources and, and go to oh the training God. so you get that you understand what causes the the degradation mechanisms right yeah all right and that actually it it just brings me to the project that i'm working on with bob <laughs> so bob latino and i um after this book came out back in november he's like you're going to write a second book, you know, Sonia. And I'm like, no, Bob, I did one. That's enough. The end, you know? And he's like, no, no, you're going to write a second one. And I'm like, okay. And then I thought a bit more about this. And I'm like, one of the things that we miss in whenever we get a sample, whenever something's going wrong with equipment, we always try to figure out what is the root cause. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a book dedicated to that? The like get into the root causes of lubricant degradation. So I, t- I talked to Bob about it and he was like, yeah, definitely, let's do it. So we've been working on a book 
where we talk about all of the different degradation mechanisms and we get into the root causes of them. So it was very, very exciting for me to do that with Bob because he helped me through the thought process. And like anything, we always have a thought process behind it, right? So if we're thinking about oxidation, we're like, okay, well, how could oxidation happen? What am I looking for? What can be the causes? And most of the times we stop at the physical cause. We're like, okay, we had a, a damage bearing or something, you know, putting stuff into the, into the oil, contamination. That was the cause of contamination. The end, we fixed that, that's it. But we don't go a little further. How did the, the bearing get damaged? Was it because somebody didn't align it properly to begin with? Is it that the person who didn't align it wasn't trained? Did they not have the right tools? So we go down a bit deeper into the human root causes and the latent or the systemic root causes. So with this new book, which we are getting off to the publisher in the process of, so it's, you know, it will come out in a bit. <laughs> it's not out right now, but we are in, we, all the chapters have been written. We're just putting it through to the publisher right now. Um, what we talk about is that we again designed it so that anybody picking up the book could read it. So you don't need to be an expert to read it. You just need to know how to read. And that's, that's where it starts, right? So we talk about basics of lubrication. And what I like about that chapter is that in that chapter, we talk a bit about different types of wear. So we talk about abrasion, corrosion, and how to identify that. Because I think a lot of people who's in the field, when they get into the field, they notice information, but they forget it along the way. And if we go with the basics, like having your basics done right uh, helps you so much more for the complex stuff. Because if you have the basics wrong, then the complex stuff just goes off, totally off. <laughs> so it starts off with basics of lubrication. We go into um, basics of root cause analysis, and then we go into how to build a tree. And then every single chapter after that is dedicated to one of the different mechanisms. So we have all of the different, um, the six mechanisms, oxidation, tumor degradation, microdieseling, uh, additive depletion, electrostatic spark discharge and contamination. Each of them have a separate root cause tree, logic tree. And in each of that, if each of those trees, we go through different nodes and different hypotheses. And we explain why you would have that hypothesis in the first place. Like this is something that we see a lot with operators. You know, maybe they may not have checked this, may not have checked that. Perhaps an inspection um, protocol would be more appropriate here. So I love that we were able to get down into that and not just stop at the physical. Because a lot of people just stop there and they're like, okay, well, I don't know why it's happening again. Because <laughs> they didn't solve it. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, no, that sounds like a fantastic um fantastic collaboration i'm really excited to read that when that when that comes out there is a lot there's a there's a lot there so i'm really excited to see how you guys bring it down and, and bob mm -hmm. is fantastic at making things making complicated <laughs> topics digestible um and and so yeah i'm really looking forward to that collaboration yes, <laughs> Now, recently, we also did an episode, uh, we partnered with the Hazard Girls episode, and we were talking oh, about getting yeah. women, uh, we had Allison Holly on the show, and, nice. and she talked about getting women into STEM, and, mm -hmm. and they share, on that show, they share their journeys and everything like that, and I, I know you're also getting more involved in that space, mm -hmm. too, um, so what what do you have going on there? And, and um... okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it, after I did the, my first look with Sarah's Press, they, they approached me afterwards and they were like, Sanya, you're one of the, um, the few female engineers we have on board. And we would love for you to help lead um, this series that we want to do with empowering women in STEM and I'm like oh my god exactly that's exactly what I'm all about I would love to have more women in STEM you know being able to help promote them you know just 
give them more power because a lot of times we have a lot of male-dominated fields, and I know within the lubrication sector, it's it's a bit heavily dominated, heavily male-dominated. Because <laughs> sure. um, yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been looking at some things, and I'm like, wait, why are there only this handful of women that you know you keep seeing in this sector? So definitely want to get more women involved in that. And when they asked me to lead it, I was like, okay, great, perfect. This is the, the best opportunity for me to help get more women involved. And what I like about this book is that every, um, the stories that we're going to be telling, it's not just told by females, it's told by, by guys as well. So it's not an all female led um, book, but it has the same uh, topic that's being covered is empowering women in STEM. So we have guys on board that are talking about their experiences and how they've tried to help women in STEM. And from, I'm just going to give you a bit of a, a bit of an inside view with some of the topics that we had. We had we had one guy talk about um, women in the Navy and being able to help promote them, you know, as leaders and what he would have done to, you know, make sure that they, you know, progressed and some of the challenges that they faced, that he saw them facing within the actual program. Then we have, um, of course, you know, we have something about root cause analysis in there. <laughs> I don't need to tell you who the author of that topic is. <laughs> <laughs> And we also have stuff about diversity. We have um, we have some some women talking about maternity and having their career in engineering. Because I know for a lot of women, they think that if they they have kids and whatnot, it stops them from having the career in engineering. Because you know now they're focused on that. And how do you balance that role? Because that's one of the topics that we have a lot of women ask about. We have that topic. We have a lot of people talking. They're just coming out and they're like, you know, I'm the only female on an oil and gas rig. So the challenges that they would face and uh, within Trinidad and Tobago, we are heavily oil and gas. So I know what she's facing. The first time I went on a rig, um, it was by a boat. So with that boat, um, I just went for training to train the guys for one day to do a, an engine inspection and then come back. So just a couple of hours on the rig. But I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with how they do things when they get onto the rig. So No, I, I don't know. Oh, you haven't? Okay. I've never me, been, on a, been me, on an offshore rig. <laughs> let me share that with you, right? So we had to take a boat to go out, right? Of course, the only female on the boat. And... Uh, what they tell you when you're getting out on the rig. So imagine it's a, it's a ladder in front of you, vertical, straight 90 degrees. And the guy tells you, okay, we're gonna time this. So, cause you have, you're in the ocean, right? So your boat is rocking back and forth. We're gonna time this. So that when the boat goes up, you jump onto the ladder. I'm like, okay, I can do that. That's fine. That's easy. I can see what I'm doing. When we're coming back, I'm the only one coming back. And the guys are at the top of the flat. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you go ahead. And when I get to the bottom of the ladder and the boat is right there, the guy is like, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to imagine that you're at home and you're walking down the stairs backwards. And I'm like, what? I don't do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, the boat is going to be bobbing up and down. So the boat is going to go up and it's going to come back down. And when it goes up, what I'm going to tell you to do is jump off the boat, jump off the ladder backwards onto the boat, but don't look back. I'm like, what? We're out in the ocean. There's this, this little space between the ladder and the boat, but obviously it has to have a little space. <laughs> and while I was there um, during the morning session, the guys are like, yeah, there are a couple of times that, you know, I didn't jump fast enough and my leg got caught between the boat and the ladder and I'm like what <laughs> no it is well, not and, happening today <laughs> and, and there's there's definitely sharks there 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 must be of course it's, it's <laughs> people in the ocean it should be right, right? <laughs> so I'm like okay you know what he said just don't look back and I'm like I'm going to look back 
So he, he told me, don't worry, I'll catch you if you fall. And I'm like, that doesn't help. I'm still going to be in between the boat and the ladder and it's going to be bobbing and, you know, banging against <laughs> me if I fall and I die. And I'm like, no, okay. All right. So that's got this done. So he's like, okay, the boat, he said, the boat is going up now with the swells of the ocean. So it, it goes up. He's like, okay, you need to jump back now. So I jumped back. I did look back. I did look back. I could not look back. I needed snow where I was putting my feet, right? <laughs> so that's what the guys have to do when they go offshore. So I'm like, oh boy, this is, this is interesting. And they have to do this like every, every day if they're going via boats rather than via helicopter. So, I mean, it is a risky thing that you do every day, but people, they're so accustomed to it. And I'm like, oh, yikes. Nope, not me every day. So <laughs> having a female on board on a rig, like I expected to be, you know, a different story, you know, because I'm just thinking, you know, shared everything. So just being able to navigate those things. So I'm very, mm-hmm. very interested in seeing her story and the challenges that she would have had to face. So we have a lot of strong women coming in we have somebody from the aerospace industry talking about their challenges within within that space being a female there and how they over, overcame all of those things so i'm very excited for that book very very excited for it we're still putting it together we're still collecting stories um abstracts are due by the end of this month so then we'll have the, the first drafts and whatnot coming in but I'm very excited to see and to be able to help these women tell their stories so that they get, you know, other women involved, you know, other, other guys as well, because there are guys who don't know about some of these things. So, um, you know, definitely get everybody involved because STEM is one of the, one of the industries that, you know, we help change the world. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If be part of that, then definitely be part of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, I, I obviously love STEM. Uh, it's, that's where I work. That's where I've always wanted to work. And, uh, like, uh, and, and, you know, you listen to Blair talk and like, oh, he's yeah. encouraging his daughters mm-hmm. to, to get into it. And they're still pretty young. And it's, uh, so like, there's, there's lots that men can do for women in this mm-hmm. field too. And, you know, it's, it's like, when I started university, it was probably, maybe 10 or 20 percent were women but mm-hmm. over the f- the four or five years that i was there it was about 30 or 40 percent like wow. there's it's mm-hmm. it's really it's really picking up and every year it seems to be more and more are so are joining so <laughs> like i think in this i think in this latest round because students are just graduating university and so mm-hmm. we're getting a uh, a bunch of new engineers starting with our company and and I was surprised at the number of women, which I shouldn't ever be surprised by that, but it's, it's great to see. No, um, it, is, it is, it is. Like, I'm always happy to see, you know, women, you know, just in engineering and STEM and anything, because, you know, it's a diversity of thoughts. Yeah. Like, I'm, and I'm all about that. And I am very fortunate to have a lot of um, very positive male influences in my life. And, you know, I'm grateful for that as well. So mm-hmm. we can't do this alone. We have to do this together. You know, we have to bridge those gaps together. There's only one way it could work, and that's when we work together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're. I saw, we are, I saw you me? all are having. I saw you all are having an event. Maintenance disrupted is That's r- that's <laughs> right. I am. Uh, so we are running a maintenance mastermind mobile equipment edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going over six, uh, six topics. So there is the maintenance management piece, which is being delivered mm-hmm. by Brian Beschke. He's, uh, mm-hmm. He's amazing. definitely a champion <laughs> in the mobile equipment field and, and maintenance and reliability as a whole. Um, we've got, uh, I'm talking specifically about asset life cycles. Um, I had it as a bit of a broader, uh, asset management and then I was like, I can't fit all that content oh in. And it's just not fair, <laughs> fair to that topic to try and fit it in. Um, we've got uh, Dylan Day. I think most hey, people Dylan. are familiar with Dylan. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's going over maintenance execution. Um, we've got Alison Hawley. She yes. 
is a champion in the mm -hmm. real-time monitoring and uh, IIoT space on mobile equipment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we've got Rob talking about leadership <laughs> and bringing his new new venture and that conversation into the program. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we've also got then I come back for the last one and we talk about the continuous improvement and and reliability processes that we follow for for mobile equipment. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and um, yeah, it's we've I we are still gathering people and I think we're, we're pushing the start date. Uh, we're we're going to move that to a couple of weeks into June okay. um, just to accommodate. The, there's a lot of interest there and just to accommodate yeah. schedules and <laughs> end of May didn't seem like the best time. So we're pushing it oh, a little okay. bit. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty exciting. It will be because when I saw the, the star lineup, and the topics that you want to talk about, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. And you have like some of the best presenters there. Like I'm not even sugarcoating it. You all have some of the best presenters. <laughs> and the topics that you want to talk about is so relevant for anybody in mobile equipment. Because guess what? Mm -hmm. No matter what, they're going to have mobile equipment. <laughs> yeah. Not everything is going to be stationary. So I love that you all came together and you all put that together and, you know, having that all of that and having it available for people because guess what anybody in the world could join yeah yeah exactly I, I think I just got a comment there from somebody from Australia saying oh I wish this was in our area and I'm like oh, it yeah. is <laughs> this is this is the nice thing is right. like um, it, it's online and we can we haven't set a specific time mm -hmm. for it so we can accommodate and if we have enough people it's not a problem to run yes. like a, a morning session and an evening uh -huh. session to accommodate other schedules and so it's uh you know we're just looking to get some some more people signed up then we'll finalize those times yeah and that's that's one of the things that i love about our community is that we're yeah. so accommodating you know we're like okay let's see what best works for you let's see how we can bring it together let's because the main thing that i think we all focus on is the value being able to deliver the value to people yeah so that's what I love about our community. Totally love that. <laughs> well, and you know, you you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, and I didn't didn't chime in, but it's I think that's the most important point, really, with maintenance and reliability, in particular in the the support and engineering roles, mm -hmm. is you know you don't need to know everything. You don't need to you don't need to even be an expert on anything specific, but you mm -hmm. need to be able to talk, find resources. Mm -hmm. and talk to people who are one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I'm very much aware that I don't know everything and this is my opportunity to get some of the experts on oh, yeah. uh, on a video call and on mm -hmm. a podcast and and talk to them about their field and, and and learn more and you know when you're um there's a lot of new people entering reliability mm -hmm. and most of them are being called reliability engineers and they have mechanical engineering degrees and yeah. they don't actually know it <laughs> Nope. pretty much anything about maintenance and reliability <laughs> and the first thing you need to do is start start talking to people start talking yeah. to other experts in the field talk mm -hmm. talking to the technicians on the floor like oh, it's boy, yes. they know you, they, like they know they know everything yeah right? <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to know much you just need mm -hmm. to facilitate the conversation and yes. you'll slow and you'll learn a lot along the way um oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never. That's why I always tell people never let your curiosity die within this industry yeah. because asking questions is just like such a great way of finding out things. And if you never ask, you're not going to know, right? And you're going to yeah. sit here and you're going to be like, I wonder if this is not a good question to ask, but you'll never know until you ask the question, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'll never get a response. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like when I, when I started, um, we're in the mining industry and like I came I came to a mine I was there to like fix the reliability and and it's just you look at what's heady you're like this isn't this mm. isn't more work than mm. it is for just one person oh yeah so the first thing you do is you just go and talk to the technicians they know mm. where all the problems are the yeah. documented ones the undocumented ones mm -hmm. everything <laughs> and they'll tell you how to fix it <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. they, they know that as well and they'll tell you the ones that need priority because guess what? Yeah. If you're now coming in, you're like, 
in your mind, everything, everything needs priority. Everything is close priority, but they will help you to break down that barrier. And that's what I love about this field, you know, just being able to help them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we are getting just about at our time. Uh, before we wrap up, we, we talked a lot about what you have going on and I'll be sure to include the, the links to your, your book and your website and, oh, yes. and your LinkedIn profile <laughs> there. Um, and, but is there anything else that you wanted to give a quick shout out for? Um, um, one of the things I wanted to talk, to talk about, and you know, I, I love lubrication and reliability, is that we're actually having, there's a lubrication and reliability virtual summit in September, which is going to be amazing because I already submitted my abstract for that one. <laughs> Very excited to share that. Um, I remember last year uh, when I did that one, it was at the same time of launching the book and everybody was just, you know, very excited about it. So this year is going to be very interesting. And that's taking place um, in September, the 14th to the 15th of September. They did it two days now. Last time it was just one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get to all of the different um, the things on time. But this year, oh my gosh, taking full advantage and blocking all those two days Definitely going to have that, you know, I want to, there are a lot, a lot of things going on within lubrication reliability that that is the perfect forum for. So very excited about that. I'll send you a link as well so you can put it in the, in the past, you know. Absolutely. Past notes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I, I it, it's funny, I haven't put in any abstracts or anything, but still really yeah. excited to see what, what everybody else is doing so is that one still open <laughs> yes it is actually um, maybe we'll put I, something I, in quick <laughs> i think it's in until june yes i ah, think perfect. i think we need something about you know life cycle something about asset management just saying <laughs> i would love to, i would listen to yours definitely <laughs> i'm booked already <laughs> <laughs> excellent awesome well thank you sonia always a pleasure to have you on the show yeah. and we'll definitely need to have you a on again before 10 months go by. <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I agree to that totally. 